0: What up? This is Robert Ory. You might know me as Big Shot Bob, and I want you to check out my new podcast, The Big Shot Bob Pod. We'll always be talking hoops, football, sports, and I'm going to bring you some big guests like Lakers legend Shaquille O'Neal in our premiere episode. I know I didn't come in to train and count the best of shape, but... Well, well you I'm, did one time. Yeah, one <laughs> time. Subscribe now to The Big Shot Bob Pod on the Podcast One app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. All right, I want to welcome on my next guest. We have Mark Farzetta, 97.5, the fanatic Philadelphia, as well as NBC Sports Philadelphia. Mark, how's everything? Everything's great, man. All things considered, can't complain. How how's the, how's the, is the city? Are they, are they, are they, are they fine with that sport? Or they, can you tell there's a longing for a return? Well, here's one thing we're never lacking in Philadelphia. It's storylines.
1: So regardless of there being a box score to check every day, there's always a story to be told and a story to be heard. So we're not hurting in that regard. But the Flyers were playing some great hockey at the time. They shut things down. The Sixers had lost Ben Simmons about nine games before the (laughs) shutdown. And, you know, the Phillies just hired a new manager. So we were kind of excited for that season. And everything's just on pause just like it is everywhere else.
0: And speaking of the Phillies, the Phillies have been in the news in the past couple of days because Bryce Harper kind of agreed with Blake Snell's comments about the season and restrictions and their kind of hesitation. What, what was your thought when you kind of heard that? That's not good PR. For a guy
1: that has been a PR champion of champions since he's come to Philadelphia, Bryce Harper, that was a misstep to, to say the absolute least. You don't want to side with a guy who just said the dumbest thing of the week which is making it about money at a time like this. And I'm not the guy that says, you make tens of millions of dollars or you make a certain amount of money, therefore you're no longer a human being. Do what I tell you to do. That's not the way you you can look at professional athletes. However, when something around 30 million people have filed for unemployment over the last two months, you don't want to be complaining about how you're still going to make at least a couple million to play baseball. So that's not really the argument you want to have. Also, if you're Bryce Harper and you just signed one of the richest contracts in all of sports history, at the time the richest, you don't want to be siding with that guy, especially when you've been so fan-friendly to begin with. Yes, That's not the guy, that's not the side of history you want to be on. Yeah. If you want to argue that it's not safe, argue that it's not safe because okay. everybody can identify with that. Yeah. Even if you're lying to us, go ahead and lie to us. That's better PR than saying, oh, my God, I'm only going to make a couple million for
0: pitching in baseball. Oh, drat. That's not the argument. No, yeah. It's like they're basically saying, like, oh, we're the ones putting the risk out there. Like, you, you're making X times as much as every frontline worker to throw a ball 95 miles an hour. Like, it, it, I understand that you have a set contract, but a lot of people had, had, had set salaries that are gone now. So, it, 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 it's a time where if you don't want to play, don't play. Don't make it about money. Say, so if you really want to say, okay, it's health. I don't feel if, – if, if like, I know – for example, um, Sean Doolittle in the Nats, his wife has some sort of underlying illness that he doesn't want to ha- potentially bring anything into the household that could affect her. That's perfectly understandable. If that's the case, don't play. Don't bring it about. make it about money. Don't make it about money. A lot of people right here. People are still waiting for unemployment. You said there's 30 million people in unemployment right now. If, you, if there's one gap year in your monster million dollar contract, I'm sorry, but like there's more important things going on right now. And if you really feel that. It's, out of your realm to play and you're, you're too much at risk, then don't. But that, that's that's a whole other ballgame. It, it, it's wild. It's unbelievable. And then do you do you think baseball is nearing a return? Or do you think it's still up in the air? No, I
1: think it's very much up in the air because here's the thing that's never happened really in baseball, at least not since Commissioner Sealy kind of sewed things up all those years ago. It, it's never happened where the owners and the commissioners said one thing and then the players said, Hey, great idea. That's never happened. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to happen now, especially since the owners and the players agreed to a deal back in March saying, yeah. hey, you know what? Things are a little touch and go right now. Let's not, let's have a contingency plan. They had a contingency plan, and then out of nowhere, the owner said, we're losing more money than we thought. Whoops, let's renegotiate. There was something already agreed upon, and I know that everybody hates the argument between the billionaires and the millionaires, but that's yeah. exactly what's going to happen. I'm hoping as a baseball fan before anything else that we have some baseball. But if there is one sport that might need to shut down and rethink things for a year, albeit because of a pandemic, maybe it is baseball. Maybe baseball does need to go back to the drawing board just a little bit and figure out maybe a better way to reach today's sports fan. But bottom line is I don't want baseball to go away. I want to have it in a couple of months if it's safe for everybody to play. If they got to institute rules that say you can't spit, Institute rules that even say you don't have a mascot, even though that one doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Even if they're saying you have to show up to the ballpark as they are, show up to the ballpark dressed in your uniform already for the first time since big deal, big ball. deal. Do it,
0: do it. I I played rec basketball for like eight years. We had to sh- we showed up there's no problem. We showed up there with our uniform. There's no problem. I know they crying. Like, it looks cool. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, It's like you just show up and you're ready to go. I don't see a big problem with it at all. But, yeah, I think they said that if baseball can – I think people will give them the respect they need if they try and it doesn't work out. But if they don't try, not because of health reasons but for finances, I think that's a a bad blemish that's going to take a long time to go away. Yeah, the sport will die. I mean, it's not going to go away
1: forever because there's still that much more money to be made in the returning year. But it's going to be what happened during the strike but tenfold because – one of the things you have to keep in mind, and like I do a radio show every day, and it's not a big deal. But to some people, it is a big deal. Some people look forward to us as a sense of normalcy. Yeah. And during the pandemic, I haven't taken time off because I want to make sure I'm there for my audience. Yeah. Hopefully in a month, I'll be able to take some time off when people kind of go back to their old norm. But as of right now, this is the time, especially in the sports world, where people are looking for that outlet. Not necessarily a distraction, but an outlet. And that's what you provide in the sports world, yes. whether it be the broadcasting end of it or what, whether it be the ownership end of it or the playing end of it. That's something that you can't really turn a blind eye to. And if you go away because of financial reasons, then that's something that people will look at as, hey, you abandoned me in my time of need. And it'll take even longer than the strike of 94 to bring people back to the game.
0: Yeah, like if, if, if they were making the salaries, like I remember the old NBA guys like back, like Wilt, when a lot of those guys when they were working second jobs, and you want to? Then you have you have a gripe. That's totally understandable. When you're making ten to, and, and not uh, eight to nine figures, you really don't have much of an argument. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, yeah, no, no. 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 Yeah. But it's wild. And then so flipping over to basketball. Um, so we're talking about so Sixers were kind of. The season really hasn't gone as planned. I think when they brought in Orford, you re-signed Tobias Harris, bringing Josh Richardson, higher expectations. But they're starting to sort of get a groove going. You, tell, you know they're going to be a tough out in the playoffs. When the NBA does return, how do you see that season coming about?
1: I don't think that the Sixers are going to come back better uh, than what they did before now the saving grace is that Ben Simmons was like I mentioned before he was out for the last I think nine games before yeah. the shutdown happened he had a nerve impingement in his back he played in the all-star game came back played a game or missed the game and then came back for a Milwaukee game that he only played about five or six minutes before leaving the game in agony like literally leave it like it was in so much pain in his back how you let him play in that game to begin with is just beyond me but that's Leave it there. I don't know how to figure out the Sixers medical staff. I haven't figured it out for the last decade or so, so I'm not going to all of a sudden do that. But nonetheless, you're going to get him back, so you will be a better team in that regard. But they still had issues. A lot of Sixers fans, a lot of media members, myself included, fell back on a phrase that was, their best basketballs in front of them. You have to believe their best basketball is in front of them. Maybe it is. Maybe you get a Ben Simmons healthy. Maybe you get Matisse thibault hitting the reset button on a rookie season after he started to hit that all-too-famous rookie wall. Maybe that's what happens. But long story short, when you face the upper echelon teams in any type of tournament, whether that be the Raptors in your own conference or even the Bucks, you're going to have struggles because – your point guard, as great as as great as Ben Simmons is, as much as he's proven already in his young career, he's still the type of guy that needs to have a little bit of an outside game, a mid-range game. Not Steph Curry, not nothing like that that's crazy, but just a threat to have guys come out and cover, cover him away from the basket so he can open up things down low for Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid's already said that the reason he's not under the basket as much is because Ben needs room to drive. You have a head coach in Brett Brown that's, literally called in, according to Jackie McMullen of ESPN, literally called in Ben Simmons' parents and said, if he doesn't shoot from the outside, I'm going to bench him. Like, what are we, wow. like, eighth grade? That's what's going to happen? Now, nothing has been followed up on, so when you're a head coach like Brett, and you make that more or less threat, whether or not you said it in a threatening tone or not, that thought's out there. If you don't back it up, well, then why am I going to listen to you? And Ben has also come out in that same piece and said that he needs someone to motivate him.
0: Yeah. Professional
1: athletes. I think we learned, if you watched The Last Dance, how petty motivation can be some guy told michael jordan hey great game and he was like
0: i got something for you next time like, didn't what you, like, really? he, didn't even, he didn't even say it he didn't even say it either he just made it and simmons because i remember over the summer that video came out and he was like dominating those fourth graders in that pickup court i'm like people are like oh he's got it now and i'm like do you see the size of these kids and I'm like, yeah, yeah like, right. hey, three is up. I'm like, it reminds me of the, the teams that the Ball brothers were playing and wherever they were in Lithuania that, that, that LeVar would pay to have them as competition to make them look better so that the middle child could have 80 points. I'm like, yeah, you're probably getting some great shots up. Not the best competition. But I remember early right. on in the season, he, had the big, when he hit the three and Twitter lost it. I'm like, oh, maybe he's turned a corner, but I'm really haven't seen it since. Yeah, Kendall Jenner even came back to him for a hot minute. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's And then, B, are you, since he's had some of the issues over his career with kind of staying in shape and you, a lot of that stuff, are you concerned over this elongated break that maybe when he comes back, he's not going to be in tip-top shape? Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm concerned because it's been a concern, especially going
1: into this year. It was a concern. I mean, we thought he was posting pictures. I think he was in China with his girlfriend going to the Great Wall. And shortly thereafter, he was posting uh, you know, topless pictures of himself saying, what modeling, modeling agency <laughs> should I sign with? The guy's hilarious, but you want to see it happen on the court. Two of the things that people went into last offseason with in Philadelphia, looking at the Sixers, hoping that the Sixers would have going into the following year, this year, was that Joel Embiid would be taking his talent more seriously yep. and it'd be in shape. That didn't happen. Uh, you also looked at Ben Simmons as a guy that would be developing that shot based on the fourth graders you mentioned that he was dominating. They're good. They're good, they're, good ones. they're good they, though. they were, you know, they were all-stars, all stars. <laughs> all right, they were all county in the paper. I read the paper. It said they're all county, but that didn't happen either. So it's like, when will these guys take that step forward? Ben Simmons essentially came into the league as a guy at, a, at an all-star level. Yep. Joel Embiid came into the league a, as a guy that was more or less an all-star. Went help. So those two guys come in as all-stars. Yep. Where's the push to be an MVP? Where's the push to be a champion? Yep. Are you just going to accept I'm an all-star, so I'm fine. Ben Simmons said that earlier in the year. So he was asked about shooting from the outside. Well, I'm an all-star, so cool. How about pushing for a little bit more?
0: Yeah, it's 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 wild. It's, I, I went to a game a couple of years ago. I remember when the Sixers came to D.C. to play the Wizards, and I got there like – 20 minutes before tip and there really wasn't anybody in the arena and the players were just starting to come out onto the floor and they were stretching out and I'm looking around I'm like where's Embiid and all of a sudden I look in the left corner and I see him stretching out on a table and there's somebody like like kind of like stretching out his calves and I'm looking at like what does he have in his hands and he's eating a hamburger yes 20 minutes before the game yeah I'm like this should be interesting so. Yeah, I used I used to eat chicken wings when I was a kid uh, before
1: games <laughs> for whatever reason. It worked, but it, it wasn't like at the game yeah. before I started playing. It was like yeah. at home earlier that day. So wh- that's what the do you
0: thing, man. So what do you think this team's ceiling is this year? This year, I
1: think they they'll win around in this tournament and then probably get bounced out. I mean, playing away from the Wells Fargo Center this year, they won ten games. 10 games. They were terrible. And Ben has come out and even said that he's motivated by the Wells Fargo Center crowd. He doesn't want to lose in front of them because he's going to get booed. Uh, he said that flat out. I don't think this team, for whatever reason, when they're away from home, they're extremely distracted. They're not well disciplined. They don't play anything close to as well. They lost twice at home. Twice. That's ridiculous. I'm so away from the Wells Fargo
0: Center, it's a totally different team. Because I remember, I remember, I think it was la- the season before last, I remember when the Redskins kept losing all these games and they went to play Tampa and Norman steps out. He goes, how come the fans don't come cheer us on at road games? I'm like, you're lucky we're coming to home games. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? And then flipping over to football, so about a month removed from the draft, were, were you happy or surprised with the Eagles haul?
1: Um, I wasn't happy. Yeah, uh, yeah, Justin Jefferson on the board when it took Jalen Rager. And, and and here's the thing, and this sucks about talking about the draft. I can think that Justin Jefferson is going to be a better wide receiver yeah. than Jalen Rager, but I don't think Jalen Rager is going to be some bust. Yeah. I mean, his pro day speed, if you go by that, which is what you always have to say whenever you're talking about player's pro day, if that's any semblance of accurate, a 4-2-2, holy Lord, they're going to make out when it comes to having a burner yeah. going down the field for, uh, for Carson Wentz. But what really concerns me more so is that second-round pick, which I have already dubbed the single worst draft philosophy pick in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles. Wow. Like, they've had bigger busts. And I don't know if Jalen Hurst is going to be a bust. I think Jalen Hurst can play football. He's pretty good in college. We all know that. But when you you think about it, they've had bigger busts. Danny Watkins was a firefighter who barely played football before going – didn't play football, went to Purdue. They drafted him in the first round. He was 26 years old, a hockey player, firefighter guy from Canada. That was an awful – it was a complete bust. Marcus Smith was another guy that was a complete bust. But you could at least argue that those were guys that, that you wanted to play. Yeah. Jalen Hurts is a second-round pick that if all goes right with a franchise MVP-caliber quarterback in Carson Wentz, if all goes right, Jalen Hurts never plays. Never plays. So explain to me how that's the draft philosophy you went with, Howie Roseman, Doug Peterson, Andy Weidel. Explain to me how that was the right way to go when it came to that pick at 53, especially when, again, you need you still need wide receiver help. Yep. Denzel so Mims was on the board. You had running backs available, safeties available, all the things the Eagles needed. Even offensive line, even depth at that point, would have been a better pick than Jalen Hurts. Because Jalen Hurts, as much as I like him, he's still not some sure-fire NFL no. quarterback. No. He's not like a highly touted guy. He was just the best available at the time. They want to save money because they know Carson Wentz hasn't had a history exactly of staying healthy. So they save a lot of money at least for the next three, four years with a backup quarterback. Good for you. I still rather take the guy that I at least hope plays football for me.
0: Go figure. And then uh, also on the offense, so you got JJ, is it Arthago Whiteside with a little? I believe it's pronounced JJ
1: Arthago Whiteside. And by then you got to hold it. By then, he's already,
0: he's already dropped the catch by then. Um, <laughs> um, but, so, you got Ertz coming back. You got what, – what's the kid, other kid they got from um, – the other tight end who, who kind of came into it? Oh, uh, like, Dallas Goddard. 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 I, I, I thought he was fantastic last year. Alshon, there's a lot her adherence of things. They think he might even make the roster. Jackson, you don't know how healthy he is. Whiteside, are you confident at all in this receiver group? Or? Oh, no.
1: Nope. No? Not even a little bit. No, I mean – It's funny when you're calling for confidence as an Eagles supporter. I mean, I grew up here in Philadelphia, so I'm an Eagles supporter at least. It's funny when you're calling on confidence for those guys, you're like, well, he was hurt a lot last year, so there's no way he'll be hurt a lot again this year, right? Like, we'll get at least, what, 10 games for Deshaun? There's no – I'm not a doctor, but I don't think that's how it works. Look, you're hoping that, yeah, okay, he, he should have had the surgery early last year, Deshaun Jackson. Alshon Jeffrey had a torn rotator cuff when the Eagles won the Super Bowl with him. He fought through that, so good for him. Good on him for that. Last year, Liz frank injury, when he was playing, he was still one of your best receivers, if not your best, most consistent receivers on this team. But what really derailed the Eagles' season last year was when Alshon went down, when Dallas Goddard went down, and Deshaun Jackson went down, all in the same game in week two in Atlanta. So when the wheels came off there, it was hard to even rebound as an offense after that. They did. They nine seven. They made the playoffs. Fine, yeah, yeah, Greg, but Greg,
0: sugar, Greg Ward. Greg Ward. If you're getting Greg Ward, who's oh, Greg Ward's
1: great. I mean, the, the practice squad player. Everybody loves his <laughs> stories. And, but in all honesty, he he worked his tail off because yeah. he's a guy that had something to prove. He burned the Redskins
0: they, in, in uh, week seventeen. <laughs> exactly so you know you know
1: all your people know you know the deal I think it was
0: Norman I think he I think he cooked Norman like one of the last plays of the game to seal it for you wow that was how how
1: quickly they fall (laughs) but it was it was a great example when you think about changing over the guard in the locker room a little bit from those wide receivers going to somebody who was a little bit more hungry looking for something to prove like Greg Ward was and he was on pace for I believe 75 catches so imagine if he actually would have started the season over a J.J. White Whiteside, or even over Nelson Aguilar, but Nelson Aguilar is a guy. Here's all you need to know: Nelson Aguilar made nine and a half million dollars to play wide receiver for the Eagles this past season for Carson Wentz. Right? He made about a million and a half dollars in his in his in his deal that he just signed with the Raiders. So, yeah, that's called a depreciation for any of the countants out there.
0: Unbelievable! Are you expecting
1: a big year from Miles Sanders? I hear there's a lot of buzz around him. Yeah, he's he's amazing. I mean, I I don't say this lightly, and I know that we live in a hot take society. Yeah. And I, pro- as I like to say, it's not a hot take if you believe it. Yeah. And my hot take is that, and uh, we rather not because I believe what I'm saying here. Miles Sanders has the same skill set as a guy like Christian McCaffrey. He won't put up those numbers because geez, there's there's other weapons. At least yeah. they hope they develop in Philadelphia. Plus, they don't run the ball as much as they do in, in, in uh, Carolina. Yeah. But his skill set wise, versatility, yeah. what he can bring, even not being afraid to throw a shoulder in, in the yeah. backfield trying to pass protect, he can do all that. And I love the idea that he's talking about MVP award, right? Some people might say it's not about me. It's about the team. Yeah, uh, yeah it's great. If he wins the MVP, chances are the Eagles are doing pretty well. Yeah. So I think he can bring all that stuff to the table that a Christian McCaffrey can do. And if he does take that major step forward in his sophomore season, as we like to say, then the Eagles are going to be a huge contender regardless of what happens at the previously mentioned wide receiver position. Yeah. I, I love Miles Sanders' game. I love his attitude. He's a good dude. No, cool. He's fun to be around when you can interview him in the locker room. And he's just he has an amazing, amazing amount of talent that he likes to display on the football field.
0: And I think one of the other holes that they did fill that I've been waiting for them to do when they brought in Darius Slade, because that cornerback position has been a has been a need for a while now. Are you are you happy they got him kind of locked in? A so uh, thousand percent. I mean, put it this way. Jim Schwartz's
1: defense, he doesn't like the blitz. He likes to make sure that his front four are getting a push. Javon Hargrave adding him as well with Fletcher Cox, with Willie Jackson, with Brandon Graham, with Derek Barnett, who they're still waiting for some kind of yeah. breakout season. And they also like this other guy, Josh Sweat. That's a pretty good defensive line. Before you had Jalen Mills and you had Ronald Darby as your start. Look, you won a Super Bowl, so we have Darby now,
0: so big year for Darby. That's
1: that's right. Ronald Darby I ate a cheesesteak with in South Philly. We shot a thing for Nissan here in Philly. I like Ronald Darby a lot. But cool. good dude. But what I'm saying is You gotta stay healthy. You had to upgrade. Absolutely. You had to upgrade the position. Yeah. You haven't had a corner like this since really going back to the days of Alito Shepard and Sheldon Brown. Maybe even before that with Bobby Taylor and Troy Vincent. What about Namdi Asamoah? Awesome? Uh, uh, uh,
0: awesome he was a great signing,
1: great signing. Yo God. Yeah, he was good with oh, the Raiders.
0: Asante Samuel. How can you forget no, Asante Samuel?
1: He's pretty good. Asante Samuel was good for a guy that would jump routes, but like shut down cover corner. <laughs> Not exactly Asante Samuel. Don't get me wrong. I love Asante. He's and he good. had one of my favorite exit lines ever. I guess the Eagles are tired of my big play making ability, which I thought was hysterical. Um, but yeah, Darius Slade is probably the best corner since those guys. Interesting,
0: yeah. And then, but they did lose. What's his name? The safety, uh, Malcolm Jenkins. Yeah, is he that, went back to New Orleans. Were you surprised that he that they cut bait with him, even though he's a long time leader in the locker room?
1: Yeah the the bigger surprise for me came with kind of how quick it went down. Um, we had heard throughout the entire process. Whether when he finally showed up at at uh, mandatory OTAs, there was a rumor out there that there was a wink and a nod and a handshake that a deal would get done for an extension, and and he deserved one. He deserved yeah. he deserved to be a higher paid yeah. safety, being a leader in the locker room, yeah. be a guy that galvanized the locker room, and and guy that also won a Super Bowl and played every snap. I think over the time he was an Eagle. He played something crazy like 99.7% yeah. of the snaps that he and then had. And I saw,
0: and then I saw it on, Like on, um, I think it was either football or spot track. It was incredible. Because I, I, I was thinking maybe the Redskins would look at him, but then he just went right to New Orleans. Yeah, and look, he went back home basically. Yeah. Uh, the Eagles are going to miss that leadership. It's going to be interesting to see
1: who steps up in that role. Because when you think about the Eagles, the story of their last three seasons, including their Super Bowl year, has been major adversity and overcoming that adversity to make the playoffs or win a Super Bowl in that yeah. case. And Malcolm Jenkins, it started and ended there with him. So whether it's Fletcher Cox, at least on the defensive side of things, whether it's Brandon Graham, or whether it's Carson Wentz overall finally becoming the end all be all leader of this locker room, which is a theory that's out there as to why they moved on from Malcolm, then maybe it is Carson that steps up and says, All right, guys, you know, no more BS. But the only thing that the only reason that would work is if A, Carson plays well, which I know he can, and B, he stays healthy, which I'm not so sure he can.
0: In a perfect world, how do you see their season going? Oh, well,
1: perfect world. The 16-0 and 0 Super Bowl championship, and then the Redskins probably go 0-16 and, and probably just fold uh, us. We can Trevor,
0: Trevor Lawrence, though. He'll come here, and then we'll, we'll figure that out, and then they'll trade him for three third-round picks. But, no, no, in all honesty, if, in, if, what is their ceiling this season? I think the Eagles – Ceiling, without question, is winning the NFC
1: East. And I think their ceiling is making it to an NFC championship game. Uh, If you're asking me to get as close to perfect as possible, then it's more along the lines of those wide receivers staying healthy in the realistic uh, optimism, staying healthy for at least 12 games this year. I don't think – look, Deshaun Jackson's not playing 16 games. Alshon Jeffrey's not playing 16 games. If I can get 12, 13 games from those guys with the intermediate game or two-week off here, whatever it is, then fine, I'm happy with that. That's that's a reality, and then I also think that's an optimistic reality. But in a perfect world, the NFC East there. Here's the advantage the Eagles have. Yep. The the distinct Eagles advantage is in all this going on. They're the only team in the NFC East who hasn't changed coaches. Yep. So that's their that's their huge advantage. They brought in some new voices. They've changed some philosophies. For instance, no offensive coordinator. It's just Doug Peterson calling the plays. They brought back Marty Marty Morningweg. To have a say in the offense oh, wow. they brought in uh, rick Scrangello from uh denver who was not a good play caller but supposedly was a good play designer they need
0: some more creativity they need to go back to kind of what made them win that super bowl three years ago and that's a creative offense well if all the receivers go down i don't know if kevin curtis is doing anything so maybe he's free <laughs> <laughs> i guarantee you kevin curtis is not busy yeah kevin <laughs> get him uh, macklin uh, jason Avant, jason Avant would like People would go nuts. The jerseys would be flying off the shelves. You bring Jason, love from, Jason. Right. From, like, yeah. Jason was here, and then uh, before we let you go, what were your thoughts on the Last Dance? And I know we just finished it all up. Were, were you satisfied? Did you think it was a lot of a lot of creative control, or what was your take? There, the the one thing I
1: really did not like was, was as far as creative control, puff piece, whatever. Because I love ninety nine point nine percent of it. Yeah, but the one thing I know that argument was out there for puff piece for Michael Jordan final say. I did not like how they treated Hall of Famer Gary Payton. Gary Payton's, like, pouring his heart and soul into, like, defending Michael Jordan. Yeah. And they give, the, they give the film to Michael Jordan. He's, like, laughing at Gary Payton. Yeah. Like, I understand Michael Jordan's not the nicest guy in the world. And he knows, he even admitted, that that's what he sacrificed to be as great as he was. That They, they, they did him dirty. I don't like Pippen complaining because I thought they, they portrayed Pippen accurately. Uh-huh. Um, so that story's out there. Horace Grant's flat-out pissed off, which I find entertaining, whatever. Yeah. But I think... A lot of us knew those stories. Yeah. And, but regardless of, like, I was a kid experiencing Jordan. You know, I was like 16 in 1998. So I grew up with the admiration. I knew what a competitor is. I knew some of the stories. But I never saw the people that made the stories happen tell the story. Yeah, That's why I was so fascinated. The pizza delivery story was great. Actually, but about you know. that,
0: about that. So did you see the guy that went on Colin Coward who said, oh, I delivered the pizza. It was – Yeah. I, apparently yeah. – so a friend of mine is from – Park City, he claims that's where they were staying. He says there's zero chance the Bulls were staying in Park City because the Park City is 45 minutes away from Salt Lake. He said there's <laughs> zero chance. So okay. I don't know. So I, 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 I'm not going to do any more research into that. I'm going to take him at his word, but it, it does make some sense. Also, some of the, it it was very interesting. But I, he, 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 that's the kind of thing like who's coming out 22 years later and, and be like, <laughs> oh yeah, I made that pie. But right. would five guys deliver the pizza, what? I'm not no, eating that pizza. No, five guys no. it. Pizza Hut is suspect on its own. If more than yeah. one person shows up, I, I'm I'm good. No, but that and then I I honestly towards the beginning I'm like this is amazing. And then as it sort of started to transpire, I started sort of seeing it more as an autobiography than a documentary because you started saying like, okay, he has you know they're taking out a ton of stuff. You know that Jordan's the biggest competitor. He's going to make sure he looks better than anyone else in this thing. And I think that maybe set off Rodman, maybe that set off Horace Grant with the, uh, 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 the I think his allegation that he kind of was like the main guy leading into that book. But I thought it was great in its entirety. He kind of saw Jordan at his core, especially for a generation of people that never saw him. You could see how dominant he was. But I thought it was really, really great. It was very interesting. The the security guard, by and away, when after he hit with the quarter by far the best moment of the sniff brothers they, we need there needs to be a documentary just on the Sniff yeah brothers. i heard that that they didn't put it in there but the guy with the jerry curl apparently they did interview him before he passed away in january they didn't put it in so i thought that was very shocking like he was the breakout star like he was incredible. oh damn man yeah he was a breakout star yeah yeah right yeah <laughs> um what i'll tell you this what i did what i didn't know
1: going into it and for whatever reason, I guess because it, I could relate to these guys more, John Paxson and Steve Kerr, I didn't realize that John Paxson – I knew that Steve Kerr took over for John Paxson. Yes. I didn't realize it was like a passing of the baton. Interesting. Like, I didn't realize, like, Paxson took him under his wing. I I, 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 to be honest with you, I didn't even remember that they actually overlapped with the Bulls. And then the other thing was just how petty, as I mentioned earlier, Michael Jordan's strive for motivation was. Yes. Like, hey, good game. Yeah, you can go to hell. You know, that, that kind of thing. Um, that, that was something that was pretty amazing. George Carl not saying hello to him. And that's what he used as motivation. Yeah. yeah. All these different things. It, it was, it was wild to me that that, that's where he found that source. So for any athlete, whether it's Joel Embiid in Philadelphia, if he's got to shush the crowd
0: to get yeah. motivated, do it shush away. Do it. Yeah.
1: Ben Simmons needs to take a note out of Michael Jordan's book when it comes to finding that motivation.
0: Yeah. I thought it was very interesting. I, I, would heard the story about Steve Kerr's father before even though how like uh, graphic and, Awful it was, but I never really tied together that he and Jordan would bond, both of their fo- both losing their Yeah, and it. they never
1: talked about it. Go yeah. fix. That's amazing. Yeah,
0: it was wild, and then Phil. The, the, it, it, I think it had enough Rodman. Could have used a little more Rodman, but not as much Rodman. But it had just enough. Like the Vegas. Like I, I liked how you had like his all Rodman for like thirty minutes in the first. Like it was like the third episode, and then you didn't hear from him until episode ten. So I don't. It, I don't know. Okay, maybe as much Rodman, more Carmen Electra. Yes. Is that weird? Yes. No. That's fine. That's perfectly fine. Yeah. I, I wanted more. Carl, apparently, Carl Malone declined to participate. Not surprised. But yeah, I thought it was just fantastic. Bill Wennington's beard was something that kind of like I thought about when the show, like the Days on the Shows, wasn't airing. I'm like, what is going on here? Like it was like a like a topography map. It was it was like a like a like a, like, a, like, a, like a, it was like the little like the little pyramid on the dollar bill. But it was it was, it was it was it was wild. But I thought in all in all, it was great. Especially, I think it was just what we needed. When there's nothing else going on. So, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I mean, You can only watch Tiger King so many times. Yeah, I watched it. I watched it. Yeah, it was interesting. And now they're. they're I think they got Nicholas Cage doing it. I'm like, no, I'm not watching that. But yeah, it's interesting. And then, and then, one of the things. So, when everything goes back to normal, everything is safe to do. Whether it's a vaccine or not, what's the first thing you're looking forward to doing? Uh, uh
1: personal note, see the family, um, and then taking a vacation. Man, like just taking them, just getting, just getting out of what I've been seeing for the last two months my radio suit just went back to the studio so oh, cool. it's um it, it's that's that's it's it's been good to at least have that old normal a little taste of that old normal but I come home and I like shower right away you know what I mean like it, not kidding um but yeah when it's all over or at least dies down or that curve's even more flat um I just I plan on just getting out of Dodge for a little bit take some time off
0: definitely, definitely. and then for people that don't already follow you how can they find you on social media
1: uh real simple. I'm the only Mark Farzetta on the planet. M A R C F A R Z E T T A. So at Mark Farzetta. Um and there you go. Twitter. Have, have you have you looked that,
0: Have you looked that up to make sure that there's no there's no uh Well, else? I mean to be more
1: specific, like my family when they came to this country like a hundred years ago, they changed their name when they came over. Not voluntarily. It happened through the guy signing the papers. Yeah. And then I spell my name with a C and like there's one like there's a Mario Fargetta in Italy who's a DJ. <laughs> and, like, that's, like, the closest I've seen. So, yes, I have Googled myself.
0: That's wild. That's wild. This has been a lot of fun, man. Thank you so much for just for a few minutes. Glad to everybody's doing well. This has been awesome.